Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Hey, I'm speaking this morning about discipleship, and uh, I've ripped the title straight out of the Hobbit movie. So the, uh, the title is The Disciple and Unexpected Journey. Uh, because I reckon, I don't know about you, but if you've got a few miles on the clock, uh, that can be a good thing, uh, wisdom and experience. But, um, you know, we, discipleship's not necessarily a straight line. Uh, you know, when we, we, we walk through life and we go through seasons, some seasons are better than others. Uh, we have our ups and our downs. It gets a bit hilly, gets a bit rocky, gets a bit kind of like you're in the desert sometimes. Uh, and then there's other times are just complete detours. And so you, 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 walk with, you, you walk with Christ through it all, but uh, it's not necessarily a straight walk. You know, just a closer walk with thee, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's, you know, we're going random places. Sometimes it's two steps backwards, one step forward, and then other times it's, it's plain sailing. Maximize those, time, maximize those times where it's going good, uh, but those times where it's going hard, dig in and um, get some good people around you. So I, I just think of that scene where Gandalf, Gandalf um, came to a little wee hobbit by the name of Bilbo Baggins. Do you remember that scene? And he said to the little hobbit, he said, I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. And I reckon, you know, that's so much like discipleship, that's so much like our walk with God, is that it's an adventure. Uh, if you're not inspired by, by walking through life with Christ, then, then something's missing. Honestly, it's an adventure. He calls us into an adventure. And when you look at the movie and you look at what transpired, it wasn't necessarily an instant decision, but it was a solid decision to get up and follow and to get up and go. And when, and when God comes calling, you've got to make a solid decision. So, uh, oh, Scripture, is this biblical what I'm talking about? Well, let's have a look, shall we? Uh, so, first... Kings chapter 19, and just a short little bit, uh, it's verses 19 to 21, and uh, here we go, I've got it on the old King James, uh, which, First uh, Kings 19, so uh, background is that it comes after First Kings 18, and it's right before First Kings 20, so... <laughs> All right, just thought I'd throw that in there. All right, um, so he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which straight away is an interesting name, <laughs> who was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. You can underline casting the mantle upon him. He left the oxen, he ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to thee? And in verse 21, he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, he slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, oxygen, oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered to him. How many know things were done differently back in those days? So... When we look at discipleship, I just want to throw a definition out there uh, and then build on that through this passage. So, 
we could define a disciple as a person who commits their lifetime to the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. A person who commits their lifetime to the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and when you put that in context of a, of a journey and like a life cycle and going you know, to the very end, uh, and we could say that the purpose of discipleship is to train people who have committed themselves to the purposes of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that gives you a bit of a direction of, or a grounding on where we're going this morning. So um, Elijah is an interesting character. You've got two sides of Elijah. You've got a really great high point in his life, which came in chapter 18 of First Kings, where he was on, uh, you know, going toe-to-toe with the prophets of Baal. Uh, one against 400, and he came out with, uh, you know, God breathed fire on the altar. And then he ran. Uh, Queen Jezebel threatened him. He got scared, and he ran. He'd just had this amazing victory. God had been there for him, um, you know, and it was a powerful, miraculous moment. You would have thought that there was nothing that could ever happen which would cause him to run. But he went on the run uh, when, when Jezebel threatened his life, and he went and hid, and he hid in a cave. And, you know, sometimes when life gets hard, that's what we want to do. He was discouraged, he was depressed, and he bailed out. He uh, sat on the sidelines for a while, uh, but it was in that place where he heard the still small voice of God uh, right at the end there of um, 18 coming into 19, and he got some directions where uh, God instructed him, hey, go and tap this guy on the shoulder because he's next. Uh, Elisha is next. Uh, so he got up, and um, we picked the story up there in, in verse 19. So Elijah went and found this guy, Elisha, and um, he was... That's a, that's, a, that's a heavenly sound. <laughs> I remember my baptism vividly, and I remember when the plug was pulled, thinking, there goes the old life. It's going down. And so uh, that's what I'm connecting it with right now, so we'll, we'll make it spiritual. And on that happy note, we'll carry on. <laughs> so, so now I've got to get back into um, where I was. So uh, Elijah came and he cast his mantle over Elisha. And then he, it appears like he might have just moved on. Uh, and, and that... And, it wasn't just someone taking a coat and putting it over somebody because they were cold. Uh, it wasn't just a meaningless, insignificant act. It was charged with divine purpose. And I like to think of it like a kōrowai being placed over the shoulders of somebody. Uh, it's a mark of respect. It's a mark of honor. It perhaps even symbolizes leadership and, and the fact that there's a, a calling or a caring uh, a people aspect to it where, you have to, where you'll be caring for people uh, when, you, when, you're, when you're holding a, a position which others will look to. It's got mana uh, and respect about it. So, so Elijah came and he, 
he placed this, this kurawai, this mantle, which happened to be a prophet's mantle. So, so now we see the symbolism of, of the, the, the prophet passing the mantle to the young up-and-coming prophet. In other words, the guy who's going to do what he's doing. And, and so it, it was not missed, it was not lost on Elijah, on Elisha, what Elijah was doing. Elijah was calling him to be just like him. Now this is the prophet. This is the famous prophet who stopped the rain for three and a half years. He prayed and the drought came over the land. He prayed again and then it started to rain. Uh, just mentioned uh, the prophets of Baal. Everyone knows this Elijah and everyone was in awe of this Elijah. And if you weren't walking with the Lord, you were in fear of this Elijah. And so a very, very heavy thing that this mantle was being placed over uh, Elisha, but also not just a heavy thing in terms of its significance, but a really awesome thing in terms of the call of God. So my first point this morning is it starts with a call. The call of God is just a wonderful topic. Do you remember the first time you were called? There's a, there's a call to salvation. There's a call to ministry. There's a call to vocation. There's a call to different things uh, as you go through life. Do you remember being called at some point in your life? Where were you at the time? Who spoke and, 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 and you heard something? Uh, were you in your room and you were praying and you felt God lay something on your heart? Where were you when you first heard the call of God? And then how did you respond? How did you react? What did it do inside of you when you first heard the call of God? So I just want to take you to that time because it's an important time which we go back to and we revisit the call and we go, wow, God, that was that moment. That was the time. Everything changed on that moment because the call of God brings with it some change. When we are called, we're not the people that we need to be, but we grow into those people as we go along. So God takes us from the place where we're at and he picks us where we're at and he knows exactly where we're at, warts and all, faults and all. He knows we're not perfect. He knows that we're not the people that we need to be. And then the discipleship process begins the turning out of that person into who we are meant to be. And so where are you at on that continuum? Uh, and I'd suggest that we're never finished. We're always a work in progress. We're never done. There's always more that is to be done. And I think of the layers of an onion. Just peel off the next layer and you'll get the next thing. Uh, there's, always, there's always something else to work on. And so discipleship takes time. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of me and I will make you. There's a making process to discipleship. We're not ready made. We grow into it. Uh, so how are you growing? All right. Several years ago, probably about 20 years ago actually, uh, I, was, I was interviewed by a reporter uh, from the Fielding Herald. And uh, I think back in those days we were in youth ministry and she just came along to um, write an article on what was happening in the church. And um, so after the interview, I just kind of shared that, uh, that the day I got, and I'll, say, I'll use this word, solidly saved. Not, not wishy-washy, not a bit here and a bit there, but solidly saved. This is the day I'm going all in, all out. The, the day that that happened, that was the day when I felt such a divine purpose. Uh, such a calling, like God had something just for me that I would step into. And, and so my life has been lived that way ever since that day. And I mentioned this to the reporter, who was also a Christian, but didn't have that same experience. Uh, actually was quite keen to have, know what on earth you're here for. 
And so maybe you're like me and maybe you are charged with the divine purpose and, and, and you get up every morning and, and you just know that you know that you know that God's got something, you know, you're just, you're just following hard after him. There's a call, there's a destiny, there's a purpose in what you're doing. Maybe not so though. Maybe this is the first time you've heard something like this. Maybe you've heard it over and over and, and, and you've almost um, shut your ears to it in some respects. But, but if I could say this, Sorry, I'll come back to it. Um, if I could say this, have you got some divine purpose about you? If you've never felt like you've, you've got that, today's the day I want to pray for you. Uh, maybe at the end of this, and we'll just pray that over you, that, that God would reveal something, and you could say, that's what God wants me to do. There, there, there's some stirring in your heart that there's something, because everybody's made for a purpose. What is yours? Consider this. Elisha was working when Elijah found him. I think God likes a good work ethic. Adam had a job in the Garden of Eden. Moses was looking after the sheep when God appeared in the burning bush. David was looking after the sheep when Samuel found him. Peter, James and John, they were fishing. Matthew was sitting as a tax collector when Jesus called him. Paul was a tent maker. And Elijah's plowing in the family business plowing the, the fields. The call is unexpected. It's an unexpected journey. It comes along when you perhaps least expect it, not necessarily seeking it, not necessarily looking for it, but it comes along anyway. You just need to be ready to respond. After the initial call, there's a choice to make. Will I stay or will I go? Will I follow or will I not? One thing I love about the Garden of Eden is that in that time when God set everything up, he set up freedom of choice or free will. And so there's always a decision to make. Am I following? Am I not? Am I in today? Am I, am I still in tomorrow? Am I in tomorrow? You need to renew that decision sometimes on a daily basis depending on what you're going through. When life is going great, it's easy and you can, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just like the best Christian ever. But when life is not going so great, are you still committed some people come to, come to the front thinking Jesus will make everything better. Uh, Jesus didn't promise you a better life or, 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 or anything like that. He promised you eternal life. So, so there's some hard, I mean, if, 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 the, if the road is a bit windy and goes back and forward, up and down, are you in there for the long haul? Here's what Dave Hunt said. The choice we face is not as many imagine between heaven and hell. Rather, the choices between heaven and this world, even a fool would exchange hell for heaven, but only the wise will exchange this world for heaven. There's a battle that goes on between what's the world, what the world offers and what's in Christ. And when you're standing in the world and you've got one foot in the world and the other foot in Christ, it's an uncomfortable place to be. You've got too much of God in you in the one hand to be happy in the world because you're convicted all the time. And, and, and then you've got to make a conscious decision to see your conscience. But then if you're standing in the world, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Lord, and, you, and you're a worldly Christian, you've got too much world in you to be happy in the church, and you've got this mixed kind of belief going on or, or, or behaviors going on, uh, and you've got conflict in your soul because you're not standing for one thing or the other. Um, who was it that said, choose ye this day whom you will serve? Joshua, 
So you really have to cut your losses and, and get out of there and get to a place where, um, where you're walking free from the things that are holding you back. Entangled by the sins of the world is, is not a good place to be. So you've got a choice, and, and, and you just have to choose to say, today's the day, put your stake in the ground, I'm following Jesus, and then just go for it. Pin your ears back and don't look back. Carry on forward. With every call, there is a cost. So you've made your choice, but then are you willing to pay the price because it will cost you something? And what happened next is Elisha, um, well, let's just consider, he was wealthy. Any, anyone who's got 12 yoke of oxen, that's a wealthy, wealthy household. Uh, and, and so... He, he's going to have to consider walking away from the family business. It's going to cost him something. Prophets of the Lord were persecuted, so he'd have to consider that his life could be in danger. He'd have to burn all of his bridges. He, when you go, you go. Whatever the cost is, pay it, because eternity is not something to trifle with. I, I think of the time way, way back uh, when, when I got solid properly, and I had a bunch of records uh, back in the old days when you had vinyl. I see they're coming back again. Uh, and CDs were just coming in. And uh, none of the stuff I had was glorifying to God or edifying or anything. In fact, it was all explicit lyrics and just, um, just rubbish. And some of it was outright satanic. And so it had to go. It was not compatible with my walk and my new, uh, my new allegiances. And so I called up a mate and he came around to my house and we set up some blocks, and we set the records up, piled high. There was a few thousand dollars worth by the time uh, we got there, over 100 records. And we just got the sledgehammer, and we smashed through the whole lot. and had a good time breaking free. Sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do, because there is stuff which will take you down a wrong path, and you'll get someplace further down the track that you never intended to go. And you wonder why it's hard to hear God, is because you've got all these other voices, which are unholy and ungodly voices. So you need to make space for God and live for Him. The old school preachers used to call this being holy, holiness, um, holiness preaching. So align yourself with the things of Christ. Align yourself with the right things and detach yourself and cut off the wrong things. Get rid of whatever is in your house that needs to go that is, it shouldn't be there. Uh, and I'll leave you to decide where you're at with that and what it is. But um, sin costs money. Uh, to be quite frank, so you might be doing some dough and some things that shouldn't be in your house. Uh, I, didn't, uh, I didn't put them up for sale because I didn't want to pass the evil on. Uh, I smashed it and got rid of it. But play the long game. Know that eternity and, and the value of eternity can't be compared to the value in Christ. Nothing compares to that. You've just got to get a hold of God. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Is good. Uh, and, and then walk for him with all that you've got all of your life. And be grateful for his salvation, knowing what you've been saved from. So it's, it could cost you something, but when he gets hold of you, everything changes. And that's a small price to pay. Celebrate the call. They had a party when they killed the, the, the yoke of oxen, and, and they had a party. They celebrated the call. They honored the call of God that was on Elijah, Elisha realizing that something greater was at play here. Yes, he could have had a very nice life uh, in the father's you know, family business on the farm, but he had something greater. God had better things in store for him. And so this morning we've seen some people who have made a statement through baptism, and what a celebration. Uh, I always look at it like, like right now, Carla and I, we're the proud mum and dad, uh, and, and, and Hannah's got up on her own two feet and she's going for it. 
And, and I just love the fact that, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's transitioned over. Um, but there has to come a day when you do that, children, uh, young people. Uh, if you're not already there, one day that day will come. Choose, choose life that you may live and choose the right path, choose the good things. So, so we celebrate um, a public declaration of an inward decision. God's doing something. God is moving. So you can, you can run this question by you as a, as a self-check. Does the call of God still make your heart beat faster? When you see this kind of thing, does it excite you? Does it, do, do you celebrate with the rest of the crowd? I, I hope there's no religious kind of spirit that's crept in which has dulled it because it's old hat now and we see it over and over. Oh, it's that again. It should excite us that the, the, the people are moving on and young people getting a hold of God and, you know, just, just people desiring to follow and stand up and be counted and stand up and, you know, if you stand up, you stand out. Someone's going to notice, so you're going to take that into the workplace or into the schools or, you know, wherever you're going with your life and you're going to be, you know, you're going to stand out because of what you believe in. Uh, think, of, think of how the goalposts have shifted over, over the years. We're going to a referendum which is going to vote yes for cannabis. How dumb is that? Uh, and then, and then um, end of life choice. Again, just anti-God. The goalposts have shifted, and when, when we stand up now, people go, what's wrong with you? How can you not vote yes for that? Because they just don't have a truth. They don't have a value in their life. But we do. We know better. Okay, that was my little soapbox. I'll get down. Uh, Next thing I just want to say is about being, become an apprentice. Become an apprentice. When I look at this relationship that Elijah and Elisha had, it was very much based on the apprentice model. So uh, as, a, as a good tradesman, tradesperson, uh, we, we have like a, in the old days anyway, an 8,000 hour apprenticeship. Uh, I did a carpentry apprenticeship. I was put with some guys who had been in the trade a long time and, and I learned the trade through them. What they did, I learned. They taught me, they told me, they corrected me, sometimes really harshly, um, but they, they, they taught me what I need, needed to know to become a builder. Four years later, I was that qualified guy. And then I had apprentices in turn who, who I was training up. So this is a twofold process here. And the first thing I want to say about being the apprentice is you never cease being the apprentice. There's, there's, there's always stuff to learn, there's always more stuff to know, uh, there's always a character area to work on. As I say, we're always works in progress. But the attitude of the apprentice is that I don't know at all, I'm here being taught. Uh, the attitude of the apprentice is that I'll turn up in the morning, I'll put in a good effort, and I'll have the right attitude, I'll stay humble. And it's almost like a servant thing, and we find out later that Elisha was the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Not a great claim to fame. Uh, but, but that was him learning the ropes, being prepared for ministry because he had the right heart. So have you got the right heart? Have you got the heart of a servant and the heart of an apprentice to learn, to put yourself under authority and to uh, have your heart open to be spoken into? I love coming to church because we get that. We get into a life group, we get that. Uh, we do life together, we're stronger together. I, I think of the, um, the, the animals in Africa, um, and I'm... Uh, I'm just thinking that, you know, that you, when you run with the pack or run with the herd, um, there's safety in numbers, but the one that gets separated is the one that the lions or the alligators or whatever, that's the one that they get. And so, so we safe, safe better together. 
Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Rub shoulders with one another. Iron sharpens iron. You get sharper, you get better. So, Dallas Willard said this, the idea of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning how to do what he said. God puts us in relationship. He puts people over us to help us so that we can grow. And then you become the, train, uh, the, the, you know, the trainee, but then you become the one doing the training. Uh, so if you've been in Christ for a, a number of years, who, are you, who, who, who have you got under your wing? Who are you taking on to speak into, to speak some encouragement, to, to show the example, to, to set the pace almost, and to pick the game up? And to, you know, who, who are you walking through life with? Who are you doing life with? Uh, could be the life group leader, could be the youth leader, uh, could be a bunch of pastors, uh, could just be, a, you know, someone who's wise, uh, someone who's been in the Lord a long time, but, uh, but you need some maturity to come into your life over time. And so Elijah came under Elisha's authority, and he was trained up. Kevin DeYoung says this, it's another quote, the one indispensable requirement for producing godly, mature Christians is godly, mature Christians. And so when you look at the process, you become a disciple that, that uh, uh, be a disciple that becomes a disciple that becomes a disciple that becomes a disciple. And so you've got a process of making disciples, make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. The process goes on, it's circular. Uh, so it doesn't stop. So where are you at with that? Uh, you know, it, it, when you go out of here, and, and um, I, I, think, I, I think broadly, um, so much stuff happens in church, but there's a lot that happens out of church. And so while God may call you to a specific ministry or a specific vocation within the church, there's a lot of people that that doesn't apply to. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to be called to a ministry in the church, but you'll be called to something else out there. Two equally valid things. I don't say one is more important than the other because the important thing is that you're where you're meant to be and doing what God has asked you to do. So, so who in that place where you will go to on Monday can you influence? Who can you encourage? Who, who, can, who can you build up? Who can you lift up? Here's some ideas. Show how to live godly lives. Show what a godly marriage looks like. Show how to forgive. Show how to bless your enemies. Show how to win a soul. Show how to have a godly attitude. Show what faith looks like in action. Show the goodness of God to them. Show how to pray. Show how to use the gifts of the Spirit. You will know as much of God and only as much of God as you are willing to put into practice. So we've talked about the call. We've talked about the choice that comes with the call. We've talked about the cost that comes with the call. We've been celebrating the call this morning. And we've talked about becoming a lifelong apprentice where one is you are being trained up and the other one is that you're training others up. And I want to put the challenge out there of where you sit in those things right now. Have you got things a bit mixed up where there's some feet in part of your, part of your life has lived in the world and you're you know, one thing to a group of people and then another thing to another group of people? Have you got someone under your wing 
Are you open to being trained up? Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.